Thank you for checking out episode number 57 of the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. On this episode, I spoke with three different people in the entertainment world who all have a lot going on, even in the midst of the current, still ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. And that's Dale Stewart from the band Seether, actress, entrepreneur, athlete, etc. Natalie Eva Marie, and Megadeth founder Dave Mustaine. First up is my interview with Dale Stewart from the band Seether. Dale is one of the founding members of Seether, a band that has been at it at a high level for over 20 years now, meaning that when Seether performs live in concert, pretty much every song on that set list was played on the radio with some sort of charting hit. The band has not slowed down one bit. The latest album from the band, and I do not speak Latin, so pardon the pronunciation, is C vis passum parabellum. Uh, Spanish I'm okay at, some Japanese, definitely not Latin. But Dale was a pleasure to speak with. This new album came out in late August through Fantasy Records. We spoke about that. We spoke about his life in Georgia. Even though Seether is thought of as being a band from South Africa, Dale lives in Georgia. Also got some recommendations about shows to watch and all that. Great guy. Hope to talk with him again soon. Going good for you today? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, uh, getting ready for the album to come out. Right, so, right. Uh, exciting times. When did you actually finish the album? Sometimes you hear, oh, well, you know, it was mastered a year ago and we've been sitting around. And other times you hear, no, we had the release date. Uh, we just had to meet the deadline. <laughs> it's, it's been in the can for a while. Um, we finished it up sort of late February, early March. Um, but then, of course, the COVID thing, you know, went down. So it just kind of screwed up all the plans <laughs> but um you know we we decided to release it anyway you know i think a lot of bands have opted to not release albums and just trying to hang on until they can go out and tour and hit the road again but uh we wanted it out man we wanted people to hear it um we, we're proud of it you know we, we 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 think it turned out well and um yeah we can't wait for it to get out there get in people's ears when seether gets into the studio these days are all the songs done, or does some of it actually get written in the middle of the sessions? Uh, everything's pretty much done. Um, it's just kind of a, a streamlined way of doing it. Um, you know, studio time costs a lot of money. Right. So, uh, you know, if we can minimize that cost, you know, why not? Um, we've done it before where, you know, you spend, you know, if not weeks, months in, in, in a studio and, you know, honing songs and um, trying to get everything in place. And um, it just adds up quick, man. So, you know, a lot of that stuff you can do, you know, beforehand, you can do at home or, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and with the internet now, you know, we can send music back and forth and, um, you know, so everyone's got their parts down. So when, when we go in studio, it's very much just tracking the song. So that's why we'll we'll do a whole album in like two weeks. Um, wow! You know, yeah, drums, everything, and then you know the technology helps too. You know, with you know things like Pro Tools, and um, you know, I'd like to think we we good studio players too. You know, we, we've been doing it a long time, um, but it, it's always nice to play through a song and like, oh yeah, you know, mess that part up. You know, just <laughs> drop me in the chorus, cool, okay, and then you go from there and. Um, instead of trying to do the, you know, the whole thing through, you know, so you don't just splash too much tape and all that kind of stuff from, from the old days. But, um, yeah, so between that technology and then just doing your homework and, you know, hopefully not sucking, you know, we, we can knock it out pretty quick. 
the old days, speaking of the old days, it used to be you lay down the drums first, and then you do like every song's drum tracks with scratch vocals and all that. And now it's kind of changed for most bands where um, you just track everything and then you see what needs to be fixed later. Or do you do it actually the old way where the drums get done first? Yeah, yeah, we still do it old school. Um, you know, we'll go through, do the, do the drum tracks. Either we'll, we'll jam along with Johnny um, as a band, or sometimes, you know, if the demos are solid, you know, we'll just have a version of that without drums, so you can play along with that. Um, and then we start layering everything on top of that, guitar, bass, um, and then, you know, leads and overdubs and things, and then, sure. um, you know, vocals. Uh, Sean, Sean usually doesn't have his lyrics all the way done. It's uh, he's always sitting there with his little notepad scribbling and he'll he'll literally finish the vocals like a minute or two like before you know, before he sings him, he's like, Okay, good to go, let's let's get in there. Okay. Wow. So yeah, I'm so it's surprised like, it's still like that. That's that's really yeah, cool to hear that it's exciting. Right. Yeah, it's like here's a general idea, but you know, he doesn't like finish them and finish the song and then okay, I'm ready. So that's you know, a lot of times you know, the vocals get done right towards the end of the thing. So, um, but it's fun, man. It's fun to watch, watch the song kind of come together. And, and as the layers stack up and, you know, yeah, you know, just how it, it changes and, 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 um, you know, just how it builds and, you know, gets more powerful. And then it's, uh, it's cool. It's, it's a fun process. Do you remember which song you tracked first from the new album in the studio or at least finished? Oh, uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. It was uh, it was a long time ago. We because we started in December with drums, and then break for Christmas, and then came back in January. So yeah, I've I've no idea at all. It all kind of bleeds together, I guess. <laughs> I can imagine with with Seether, uh, after all this time, when you have a new album that says, let's say, has twelve songs, did you write fourteen songs for it, or were there like forty songs written and you pared them down? Yeah, probably, you know, 40 or, or maybe even more just rough ideas. Um, you know, because not, not all ideas are created equal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the good ones kind of, yeah, the good, one, the good ones rise to the top, you know, and then those, those are the ones we pick. Um, or those are the ones that make it into, you know, full, full songs. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to whittle that, you know, 15, 16 songs down to you know, the 12 that are going to make the album. Um, and that's, that's kind of the hardest part is because, you know, you, you grow to love these songs and they really mean something to you. And then, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's pick these ones that aren't going to make it. It's like kicking eggs out of the nest. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it sucks. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to do, but, um, you know, we will pick ours as the band, you know, our favorites. And then, um, you know, we'll have management, you know, put their opinion in and, you know, see what those guys think and, you know, see which ones they think should go on. And then, you know, the label has their say. And so, cause you know, we respect these, these guys' opinions, you know, when you're so close to the music, it's hard to take a step back and objective, objectively sort of look at these songs and, and see what's going to be best. And um, like picking singles too, you know, we, we don't always know as the band cause you, mm -hmm. you know, we know what we like, but you know, it's a, it's a bit of a skewed, um, you know, interpretation maybe. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, it's, we, we make a list and see which gets the most votes basically. And that's, that's kind of what dictates the, the final album. I appreciate that answer. That's very honest and also like a sign of the times. And speaking yeah. of all that, see, there's in this just very interesting career position where, you know, forgetting the fact of COVID and the world being on pause, you guys are in the position where you can do your 20th anniversary tour. You can go, well, we, we're going to only do the songs in the first two albums. Like you've got, if you're going to play 15 songs in a night, probably 15 of them were charting singles. Like you could be a greatest hits band at this point in your career if you wanted to be. I'm curious when this started to feel like a career and you didn't, worry so much like oh man is there going to be a, a label that wants to put out the next record i yeah i'd say probably 
maybe probably about 10 years ago or so. Uh, you know, it's because you're right, you know, before that, you, you don't really, you don't really know, you know, we, we've had so many friends and bands and, and, you know, just bands that we're fans of that have kind of come and gone, you know, in the 20, whatever years, 20 something years we've been doing this. Um, so your, your place in this, uh, your place in this industry isn't guaranteed. Um, you know, you really have to work at it and, and, um, right. You know, not, not, uh, not take anything for granted, but, uh, I'd say, yeah, maybe for the last 10 or 12 years, I think we, we've been in a place where, you know, we felt secure, you know, our fans have been awesome and, you know, they really support us in, in everything we do, you know, so we know if we release an album, um, it's gonna, it's gonna sell. Uh, radio has been great to us too. You know, we know if we put out a single, you know, they're gonna at least, you know, give it a look and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, if they like it, you know, give it a spin or a couple of spins. But um, yeah, it, it is nice to be in that position because it, you know, I, I do feel more secure than, than when you're starting out. Like you don't know if right. you, you don't know if the next album's gonna go, if the label's gonna drop you and then, you know, yeah. it's almost getting to the point now where, you know, um, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we, we could be the, the sort of greatest hits band, but we still, there's, there's so much we still want to do. You know, we, we still, we love this. We love making music. We, we still want to release new music and, and, you know, as long as people keep listening and come to shows, you know, we'll keep doing that. And, uh, um, you know, we, we do play a lot of the old songs, you know, cause a lot of people want to hear those songs, but, um, sure. But it, it does get tricky after a while because you're like, okay, we plan a show tonight. We have an hour and 15 minutes. And then it's almost a case of like, okay, well, what, what aren't we going to play? Because, you know, people want to hear the singles. They want to sing along with the songs they know. What aren't we going to play? That that yeah, be the quote of the day. It, that's an interesting <laughs> so What singles are we, are we going to leave off the set kind of thing? Yeah. So that's, so, you know, come up with a set becomes a little tricky. So, but I mean, it's a good problem to have, so. It's a great problem, and I think it's also of note that you guys, being around for so long at such a high level, have survived so many different trends, so many different labels. There was the people going, oh, they sound like Nirvana. Oh, they sound like new Metal. Oh, they sound like the grunge revival. I have to imagine at a certain point, you can kind of pat yourself on the back and be like, we were right. We stuck to our guns, and the critics who didn't like us immediately, they were wrong. Yeah, it is cool that, you know, we're still here doing this. Um, yeah, cause there's always a, you know, a mean critic that, you know, doesn't, you know, appreciate you or, or thinks you're, you're not cool or, you know, but, uh, I feel like those people are, are usually following some sort of trend and, you know, we've, we've just been a band, you know, we, we just do our thing, man. Like we don't, we don't, we've never felt the need to like follow a follow a trend or, or try and fit in with a thing. And we've, while we've been doing this, you know, there were so many trends, you know, there's <laughs> when we started yeah. out, you know, the, the new metal thing was like really big. And then after that, it was like the, the pop punk thing got really big. And then like emo got really big and then like screamo. And then, you know, I don't know. There's, and then there's the, then there's the weird, like, you know, guys with little moustaches and the banjos. I don't even know if you call that, you know, then that yeah. stuff, that stuff got bit, you know, so, and we're just like, Hey man, we're just going to do what we do. You know, we're not going to try and be these chameleons and try and fit into whatever trend is, is, you know, the, you know, the trend du jour, you know, kind of thing. Um, trend du jour, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we just do our thing and hopefully people like it. And, and, but I think people appreciate that because, you know, you know what you're going to get, you know, and we, we're sincere in what we do. You know, we're not, you know, we're not pretending to be these guys or being into this or, or, or um, you know, dressing a different way when it's, when it's cool to do so. And it's just what you see is what you get, man. We just four guys who like to make noise and, you know, have some drinks and make some, you know, loud rock music. <laughs> and well done on that. And now you personally... <laughs> Uh, anytime I speak to somebody in a hard rock band that's over the age of, say, 36, you, I find that Kiss and Van Halen were instrumental in their musical development. Were they in your case? I can't tell. 
not in my case, not so much, but uh, Johnny and, and Corey definitely. Um, no, I don't know. I'm, I'm 40, so you know, I, I definitely fall within that age bracket. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a, a result of you know growing up in South Africa, maybe uh, where. I guess Kiss was fairly big, you know, Van Halen a little bit less so. Mm-hmm. Um, the bands that really spoke to me were like, um, you know, ACDC and Guns N' Roses and, you know, Metallica. And those were bands that I really loved, really made me want to pick up a guitar and learn to learn to play it. Like I thought Slash was the coolest dude on the planet. And still. I mean, he was. <laughs> he was. He, he still is. He's, he's up there, you know, on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's made me want to pick up a guitar and, do that and learn, you know, learn how to play and um, never thought that it would come to this, but you know, it's, it's awesome. But yeah, th- those are really the bands that um, really got me into, into music and you just start thinking about it a little differently because, you know, before that you kind of listen to your parents' music, you know, around the house and, you know, fortunately they listen to great music, you know, so that, you know, I came from a good, you know, a good foundation of, you know, Bob Seger and Jim Croce and, Gordon Lightfoot and, um, you know, Brian Ferry, Roxy Music and yeah. Chris Rea and all this cool, like, rock stuff and Elton John. And, you know, so I, I grew up listening to awesome music that I still love and listen to. But then when I started listening to the noisy, you know, the whiny Guns N' Roses stuff, you know, my parents were like, what is this crap? You know? hey, <laughs> That's only was cool, yeah, because, you know, if the old people don't like it, it's got to be cool, right? <laughs> Your parents listened to much cooler music than mine did. Mine were too much country music. But uh, uh, wrapping up to the last two, three questions here. What's life like for you when you're not touring? I, I don't know much about Seether besides they make great hard rock music. They're from South Africa. You'll see them on the road in a couple of months, COVID aside. What else is there for you that we should know about you? Yeah, we, we're not like a big social media band in terms of like, hey, this is what I had for breakfast, you know. <laughs> I'm, about to go, uh, I'm about to go number two, you know, like, catch yeah. you later, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I, I think I'm painfully sort of normal when I'm home. <laughs> um, you know, we, my wife and I live in a, a really cool little community in Savannah, Georgia, and we have our little house on, our, on the little lake over there, and our neighbors are super cool. So we do a lot of like community stuff and we're always hanging out with neighbors and things. And, um, I do a lot of fishing, you know, that that's probably my main, main hobby when I'm, when I'm not touring is, uh, you know, going out fishing. So, um, that's something I really enjoy. You know, I, I enjoy hunting as well. And, uh, uh, and then cooking, cooking, whatever I, I, uh, harvest, you know, I won't, I won't kill anything in vain. You know, if something, if something died, I'm going to use every, every last bit of it. So, um, so I enjoy cooking and, and, um, yeah, you know, that's, it's pretty much what I do when I'm home. It's, uh, I'm kind of an honorary, uh, honorary redneck, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Has Cedar ever played that, uh, Savannah music festival? No, we, we've never played in Savannah at all. Um, we've played wow. Hilton Head, which is just North, you know, just across the border into South Carolina, but only about 45 minutes, you know, from Savannah. Uh, so we've played there. For some reason, never in Savannah, and I mean, I, I recently moved there about three years ago, so um, it would be cool. It would be cool to play there. Uh, I'm not sure of the of the venue we'd play, but uh, it'd be cool. You know, we've made a lot of lot of new friends there, so it'd be fun to do a show, uh, sort of a hometown show. Sure. Before I ask my closer, uh, any TV or film recommendations that you could pass along? Because like everybody, you've been home a lot these last few months, and odds are you watched a lot of Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Uh, I haven't been watching crazy amounts of, of Netflix. Uh, I did watch a show. I did watch a movie the other day with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, I forget what it's called, but um, he's this. He's sort of like an internet troll kid, and then uh, he like pisses off the wrong guy, and then he wakes up, and they've like um bolted these two guns to his hands and there's this sort of death game that goes on and it's filmed by drones and it's like this futuristic little sci-fi movie and harry potter wow yeah harry potter and he was really good and he puts on this american accent i'm like that's actually kind of believable but 
it was kind of funny. He's running around in his PJs. He's got these guns and this, this assassin girl's trying to kill him because it's part of this death game, kill or be killed. And it's just this weird movie. I don't even know how we stumbled on it, but I watched that. And uh, I haven't been watching much. I, I need to catch up on Ozark. That, that's a show I, I really enjoy. But uh, a lot of the time, my wife and I end up uh, watching just horrible reality TV. Uh, there's a show called 90 Day. It's normal. <laughs> 90 Day Fiance is a, is a show. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, yeah, heard of it. Yes. People, uh, they get, you know, they come over on a K-1 visa um, to America and then they have 90 days to either get married or they have to go back home. So, And ha- half the time it's just so clearly like, you know, Your these man dudes doing it for a visa. In low taste. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you know, some people are legitimately in love, and some of them it's just so blatant, just like a, you know, like a immigration fraud situation. And but we we I don't know. I just get a kick out of that. Maybe because I'm 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 an immigrant myself. You know, didn't marry to to become one, but but it's just it's just funny, and you just watch these train wrecks and um, that, and we, Big Brother started again, so that that's fun. You know, but I don't know. For some reason, I end up watching this horrible reality TV and just getting a kick out of it maybe because it's just not serious it's a little goofy kind of make fun of people and you know well <laughs> we, uh, we we call it a schadenfreude sunday you know when when <laughs> day fiance comes on we just you know make fun of these people just making horrible life decisions <laughs> exactly in the closer tale any last words for the kids uh yeah i guess just uh you know thanks for Thanks for listening. Uh, sorry, we haven't been able to play. You know, we, we, we really wanted to. We we're supposed to be on the road at, at this very moment. So um, it's a little frustrating not, not to be able to, to come out and play. But uh, thanks for listening and, and supporting us. And, um, you know, as soon as they give us the okay, we're going to be out there, man. Like we, we're a live band. It's what we do. It's what we love, you know, playing for the fans and meeting fans and touring. And so, yeah, as soon as this this madness ends we we're going to be out there and we're going to be playing shows and um we look forward to seeing everyone it's gonna i think 2021 is going to be uh going to be fun it's gonna be a lot of tours all the bands are gonna be out and i think all the fans are going to just be going to as many shows just to make up for last time so yeah look, look forward to it looking forward to seeing you in new york when this is all over thank you so much for your awesome. time congrats on the new record and thank you very much. see you man yeah. nice talking to you Outro cast. Next up is my interview with Natalie Eva Marie. If you are a wrestling fan, a WWE fan, a Total Divas fan, etc., you probably know her as just Eva Marie. But wrestling, even though she's still involved with WWE, is just one facet of what she does. She's an actress, she's a social media influencer, especially within the fitness realm. She has some different products on the market, etc. When I spoke with Natalie Eva Marie, she was promoting a new movie with Bruce Willis called Hard Kill. And then about a week later, I was asked if I wanted to write about an energy drink called Rain Total Body Fuel. And the company who sent me that pitch told me about their face of the company, Natalie Eva Marie. You put two and two together and go, wow, she really has a lot going on. Now we didn't talk about Rain Total Body Fuel within this interview. We did within a interview I taped after the fact, But the key is that she's got a lot going on. She's a very positive person. There's a lot about her that you probably don't know, even if you are a big WWE or Total Divas fan. Think you're gonna enjoy this one. Natalie, how's it going there today? Really good, how are you? Great, thank you very much. Hard Kill is the new movie. Now, I've seen the trailer and all that, but when did you actually film it? Because sometimes movies are made, you know, two years before they come out. Right, we actually filmed it in January and we were lucky because we ended up uh, wrapping like two weeks before everything was getting kind of shut down. Wow. Looking at the trailer, it's a cool group of people that are coming together to fight a problem, almost like the Expendables. And I wonder, is there a chance that there could be a hard kill too? Ooh, I mean, I would be so for it if there is a hard kill too. I like the way you're thinking. Um, That'd be amazing. I mean, we need to reach out. I need to talk to the writers and directors right now and be like, yo, where's our, where's our hard kill too? Well, let's hope that happens. Is this the first time <laughs> you've been in a movie or any kind of project where you had blue hair? Um, yes, it is. So this is the first 
yeah, it is. This is the first project, especially on screen, uh, where I have, well, technically it's purple, but it probably looks blue to you. So I'll take it. Blue or purple. I okay. am colorblind, full disclosure. But um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of doing Q&A over email with you when you were promoting Testarossa. Is that still in the works? Oh, my gosh. That is so crazy. Testarossa, it is. It's actually, uh, people can get it. It's my extension line with Bellamy hair. Um, and that was when I was that fire red from a WWE character. So people can actually purchase it now. Was that your first uh, venture or business where you were taking the lead? You know what? It was. I believe that that was my first time um, going and doing a Natalie Eva Marie line product. So that was the, the first, which makes sense because it is, I mean, I'm still messing with my hair to this day. I'm pink now, so makes sense. Sure. Uh, it's really hard to define <laughs> you at this point because you got a big movie like Hard Kill. People who look through your IMDb page will see that you have other projects coming soon. There's the Now This original series that you're hosting. When we go through your Instagram, we see leading workouts and all that. How do you like to be thought of? <laughs> that is a, such a good question. I think that I've never been asked that question. Is what do, How do I want to be um, kind of... I don't know. I guess I'm so stuck on uh, superstar. I feel like a superstar works because it kind of, you can't put me in a box. I like to do everything and I like to be a superstar at everything that I do. So um, whether that's a movie star, whether that's a TV star um, or a WWE superstar, you know, so I'm good with Natalie Eva Marie, the superstar. Fair enough, superstar. Well, when I look at your career path, you've done things in kind of the opposite order that most people do it. They usually are a movie star, then they kind of go down to TV, then they go down to WWE and guest appearances, and you kind of did it the reverse kind of way. How do you feel about that? I feel like super lucky, super lucky, super blessed, because WWE is where the heart is that is my family that is my number one and you know i'm fortunate enough to have started there and i feel like it prepared me for everything else because um you know these guys you're on the road 200 days 290 days out of the year you have to be able to handle all the physicality and then on top of that you have to be able to perform live build your character and um if you're able to do that then you are prepared for everything else because these guys are are just flat out studs so I got really lucky because I started there first and then I was able to take that to TV, to film and all of my other endeavors and knock that out of the park because I was so well prepared from just getting embedded in me the work ethic that all these guys and all these superstars have to have. They are the best in the world at what they do and I don't think they get enough credit. Well, looking at Hard Kill, you show your toughness and all that. I would have to assume that your training with WWE feeds directly into all that, the stunt coordination and the martial arts or the fighting technique. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm definitely, anything action-wise, I absolutely just kind of, um, you know, I seem to get drawn to. And then for this specific film, because of the weaponry and stuff like that, and because I have such a just, love and respect for our uh, armed forces. My brother-in-law currently is serving in the army right now. And then my dad, uh, you know, was a Marine and, and a Vietnam vet. So I took it to a whole nother level and, and did my own weapon training with the best in the world. I felt the force shout out to James um, and took that on head on because I wanted to be able to bring the real deal to the screen. Um, and make those guys proud. So, um, and my, my husband loved that part though, that's for sure, because he was all about it, being able to uh, do the weapon training right, right alongside me. <laughs> Got it. Around how many days were you on set for Hard Kill? For Hard Kill, I was on set for two months, two months, or a month, month and a half maybe. Wow, so that is a proper studio film and all that, was it entirely filmed in the same place? It was, we filmed it in Ohio. Um, and 
we got so lucky. I'm so, so lucky because uh, we wrapped just in the nick of time. That would have been definitely a uh, buzz kill, not a hard kill, if uh, if we got shut down right before right before we were wrapped. Right. And as I mentioned before, people who look at your IMDb page see that there's other projects coming from you. There is Action Number mm -hmm. One and mm -hmm. Paradise City. Paradise City looks like a very interesting musical project with some great musicians in there. Do either of those have release dates? So Paradise City, I'm so excited for everybody to see. Um, and right now, I believe um, it's shooting for fall of 2020. So this fall. And hopefully it does, I get a, I get a release actual date, but honestly, because of everything that's going on, I'm not quite sure um, what that date is. I'm just hoping that it is this fall because I think that the audience would really love this show because there's just so many amazing um, talent from all different kind of genres and we're all on one screen together. So being able to see us kind of interact and intertwine in this, um, kind of rock and roll music industry vibe would be uh, something that I think would be a nice treat. Do we see you sing on any level or see you perform besides oh, acting it? God, no, you did not see me sing. No, 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 but you will see me. I play opposite of Bella Thorne and uh, you'll, you'll see me pulling some strings. That's for sure. Cool. Now, this is a musical project that we're talking about. And of course, fitness and workouts, it's what you do. How important is mm -hmm, music mm -hmm. for staying in shape for you? Um, it's really important. It's kind of, you know, health is wealth. I, I, I say that all the time, um, especially for anybody that has watched Total Divas, just seeing like my family and my, my dad's journey with his health. And it's just something that my husband and I, we incorporate and we have turned it into our NEMFIT um, kind of, online business so that people can actually see my daily workouts, my workout of the day, um, and do it right there at home. Plus, I know a lot of people not being able to get into gyms or, or thinking that they need, you know, the big squat racks or, or leg presses. Uh, it was important for us to create programs that people can do strictly just body weight. You could do that in your garage. You could do it in your backyard. You could do it in your room. Um, and, and we wanted to provide that for um, you know, the beginner, the intermediate and, and the advanced guy, uh, that follows my journey and wants to see what I do on a daily basis in the gym. So now they can. That's right. It looks like you're always changing up your workout. Was DDP yoga or rather DDPY ever part of that flow? You know what? I, I, I have yet to get into it, but I definitely want to, because I've heard nothing but good things. Um, and it's really important to, you know, your flexibility, your, your range of motion is so important, especially as you get older. So I think that'll be my next kind of dive in is into, uh, into his yoga for sure. And I asked you before how you like to be thought of, and it sounds like it's going to be an evolving thing where you're always working on great different projects. Is there an ultimate goal that you're working towards that you go, I'm not a success until I reach this, or are you just happy with where you're at? I think that's the thing. I, I think that's where you, there's, don't get complacent. I mean, I obviously am definitely the type, like, don't put me in a box because I want to do so many different things. Like you, you had, you know, mentioned that. Yes, I'm a WWE. I started wrestling, but then I went into movies. Then I went into TV. Then I went into, um, you know, having my own businesses, being an entrepreneur and things of that nature. Like you don't have to be one kind of, facet in life and I want to be multiple things so it's kind of like an evolution and a continuing uh journey so I hope that um you know I end up this global uh sensation but I definitely don't think that there will be a point where I'm like okay I I can I made it I can relax because that's usually the danger zone you got to keep on going a lot of people who mention that about don't put me in a box, it seems to come from a place of, of anger, but I don't get that at all from you. It doesn't sound like you're trying to show anybody up or that prove anybody wrong. No, I just love so many different things. Yeah, it definitely doesn't come from a place of anger whatsoever. You're right. It's more along the lines of, um, I think, you know, from being just a, a young kid and being involved in, in sports and, and just being the youngest of girls of all boys it just kind of molded me into who I am now. And I love being, um, you know, 
with the hair color and the glam and the makeup. I love that part. But then I also love getting down and dirty. I love getting in the gym, banging out a workout. But then I, I love going on and, and acting a whole other character on a movie or a TV project. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just like I love doing so many different things. And, and that's why I want to constantly have my hand in all of those things that I love. And I love to learn and, and, and continue to grow and evolve and, and change. There's nothing wrong with changing. People have a, a fear of, of changing their mind or changing their direction. If you don't like something or if you don't want to do something, it's time to bust it right. Don't quit making that left turn if it's not there for you. Um, and that's okay. So it's, it's a journey and it's, and it's a process for sure. Well, two quick questions and then you're free. And the first one is like everybody, you've kind of been indoors more the last six months than probably ever in your life. Any TV recommendations that you can pass along? Ooh, um, TV recommendations. What have I watched? First of all, I'm actually stunned in myself because this is a good accomplishment that I can brag about because my husband's an avid reader. For a long, longest time, I've always said, I, I need to read more. I want to read more. Yada, yada, yada. A lot of things never happened. I, I didn't. Because we have been indoors for the last six months more than ever, I finally found an author, James Patterson, that I'm obsessed with. And I'm almost done with his entire Murders Club, Women's Murder Club series. So I highly suggest that for anybody that is looking for a book that they can't put down. I finished 17 out of the 20 in the last four months, which is a major W for me um, that my husband's like super impressed and proud of. And uh, so that's the book thing for TV wise. Um, I'm really into the, the new raw underground right now. So, but that's towards obviously WWE. Right. Um, the Raw Underground definitely has a vibe to it that I'm I'm feeling. But TV series, um, I think we've blown through Ozark was one, and uh, all the Jack Ryan's are amazing. Um, and Anna, the the Hannah Hannah, I think that was the most recent one that we watched. Taste is all over the place in a very good way. My wife just gave me the nod about James <laughs> Patterson. She's reading them all as well. So the closing question, which you've sort of answered, is any last words for the kids? Um, never take no as an answer. You keep going. You believe in yourself wholeheartedly. Don't believe the outside chaos because trust and believe. There's going to be a lot of people telling you you can't do something or that you won't do something. You can't do something. You're not good enough at this or that. But um, ultimately, it comes down to you. You have the power. Um, and don't let anybody take that power away from you. Great. Well, I really appreciate your time. Congratulations on Hard Kill. And looking forward to Paradise City when it eventually comes out. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Outrocast. Last, but definitely not least, is my interview with Dave Mustaine, the founder and frontman of the legendary metal band Megadeth. But Megadeth is not all he does businesses aside and martial arts aside and family projects and all that aside he's also the author of two books the latest book is called rust and peace the inside story of the megadeth masterpiece this one looks back at the album which is i believe 30 years old now and it is done with not just dave mustaine's perspective but also those of other people in the room and the band famous fans etc I asked Dave a little bit about that, and then I also asked him about some things I was curious about, like Van Halen. Uh, David Lee Roth has mentioned pretty early into the book and all that. Dave was a little tired, to be honest. He was tracking a new Megadeth album while doing press for this book, and obviously I was not his only interview, but I definitely appreciated his time. Hope to speak to him again in the near future and all that. Thanks for listening. Dave, how's it going there today? It's good. How are you? Great. I can only imagine it's nonstop between a new record, the book, and all that. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, yeah. It's uh, pretty crazy hectic, but it's fun. Um, besides, you know, all of the terrible things that are going on in life for most people with the pandemic and, and everything else that's going along with this right now, um, you know, we're... we're, we're 
got a lot of things to be really grateful for. But uh, I'll tell you what, if, if that uh, wasn't happening right now, I would say that um, life is over the moon right now. Right. Well, I appreciate that you have such a positive disposition. And I can't imagine it's like the most fun thing in the world to be looking back on an album <laughs> like this, as great as Rust in Pieces. Like you seem very much uh, along the lines of a person who looks forward instead of backwards naturally. Uh, yeah, I think so. They're, I mean, I could be really glib about this and say all kinds of funny shit right now, but... Um... I mean, given the circumstances, I'll try and be as, as to the point as possible. And yeah, it was it was definitely a lot of stuff to be uh, uh, grateful for. A lot of stuff that that uh, we changed that made our lives better. A lot of stuff we lived through that almost killed us. And um, a lot of people that we were hanging out with that we thought was um, supposed to be part of our lives. And thank God we lived through getting away from them. Right. I really do appreciate the format of this book. It's such an easy read because you get everybody's perspective. One thing I couldn't figure out, though, was how it was written in the sense that did you give your commentary first and then everybody weighed in or did you weigh in last on everything? Uh, We kind of went along as as, uh, the book uh, took shape. You know, I I talked... uh, with Joel regularly, and and um, he spoke with a lot of the other uh, contributors to the book, uh, and we just started to piece everything together, and and it was m- much like the Tower of Babel. It just you know just continued to grow, and and uh, it's, it's one of the things I thought was really funny is how the um, the content changed. Uh, not only in in um, you know what it was, but how it was presented. Like you know, you're listening to one guy, and and uh, and then a couple paragraphs later, same dude, totally contradicting himself. <laughs> so so that was really fun and and uh, very uh, rewarding for me because you know it shows you that you know some people forget that you know it's it's not the end of the world as they do. Um, and uh, the other thing is that, you know, I'm not as bad as they make me out to be. And, and you can see that, you know, where they say stuff. And then later on in the book, they'll say something totally different, which I appreciate them telling the truth finally. I think it's great because I wanted everybody to know, you know, how truly talented those guys were. You know, because Chris Poland, as much as I don't really like the guy, he was a great guitar player, and I wanted... Uh, to give him a shot when we did the 2004 um, reissues for Peace Cells and for Rust in Peace, and I wanted to uh, put that song out on the Rust in Peace issue, and and he was uh, he got involved in a nuisance lawsuit, I think it was, and and um, we just ended our friendship, and and I thought, God, that was such a waste because you know there was. Uh, a little teeny mountain that was right out by where we live and and I said you know what I could have just as soon bought that piece of dirt there than sell Chris's uh, friendship and I'm so bummed that this happened you know Um, so I thought it would have been terrific to have him on on the uh, on the record let people see you know hey this sounds like Marty Friedman no Marty Friedman sounded like this you know because Chris played it first He sounds, to use a kind of a kiss analogy, like the Vinnie Vincent of Megadeth, where you guys admire his talent and realize his influence, but, you know, it doesn't work out on a personal level. Oh, I don't know about that, because I don't know anything about Vinnie or those guys. Got it. Failed topic right there. (laughs) Yeah. But one of the things that I really admire about Megadeth, and you in general, is you guys embrace the internet before... Just about any other hard rock band. Didn't you have a website as early as 1995? No, nope. it was uh, 94. So October 31st, 1994. Wow. So does that yeah. mean that you had people working for you that were super pro-internet, or were you into the internet that early? Uh, both and more so uh, the former than the latter. Does that mean that these days you're still super into the internet and are aware of memes, or did you get sick of it? 
I got kind of sick of it. I've backed out of the whole thing. It's kind of like, you know, I don't know, backing out of a car crash. I, I, you know, in the beginning, it's really fun. It's great to talk to everybody. But then you realize a couple months after um, that you've got everything that's private and personal in the world up on a cloud somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, I, I prefer having a little bit of privacy in my life right now. I don't want everybody to know what, you know, what I ate and what's you know, going through my intestines tonight. <laughs> that that's just personal and private. Of course. Well, back to the book and that era. The movie, The Decline of Western Civilization, which gets referenced pretty early into the book, I love that movie. And you guys kind of come across as the voice of reason in the whole movie. Do you look back at it fondly in any way? Because I know it was not a great time in your life when it was made. Yeah. um, Was that a question or a statement? Oh, I'm asking if you look back on it fondly. Did I look back on it finally? Uh, yeah. um, I, I liked making it because I think that uh, you know, Penelope's always been really terrific to me. And um, I thought that the uh, song was pretty cool because, you know, we just made that on, on the spot. Um, they asked, you know, could we do this song for the movie? And, and um, you know, we just basically said, yeah, sure, Tom, we'll do it. Tom Wally was the guy from Interscope that wanted us to do it. And and, um, so he comes into the movie, uh, into the studio after I got done writing it, and he said, it needs to be more evil. And I said, really? (laughs) I said, what do you mean, more evil? And he goes, just more evil. And I said, okay. So I changed the lyrics, and I said, my only friend is a girl with 666 between his horns. And I figured, man, if that ain't fucking heavy, I don't know what is. And then, because uh, uh, the movie was supposed to be called uh, Bill and Ted Go to Hell, right? And it wasn't called Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It was called They Go to Hell. So I thought, man, eh, great. I'll call it, I'll call the song Go to Hell. That's pretty heavy. And um, the next thing I know, they changed the movie title to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And I thought, oh, this is just crap. So uh, I was stuck with the song a different title and uh that was a pretty fucked up time <laughs> yeah got it sorry to trudge that all up oh it's okay <laughs> and you of course have a lot of ventures outside of megadeth and outside of this book there's the cruise there's your wine there's your beer was it this plan uh, all along to be that diversified uh no i don't i don't think so i think what happened is we just got more and more uh, successful and, and blessed with the things that we we did, you know. Uh, somebody would say, hey, you know, I've got something for you. I made this thing for you. I did that. And, uh, you know, my family is made up of entrepreneurs, and, and um, their mind's always <laughs> spinning. So if something comes along like that, they'll ask the person, hey, what do you think about this? And, uh, for example, my uh, one of my... Uh, big endorsements. Uh, my wife negotiated that. Um, the uh, one of our our beverage deals. Um, our our kids did that. So, you know, they're all they're all really settled into the music business and, and into uh, working uh, with the people that we work with. So, I love that too because you know uh, there's a lot of books that they have their families in them and they talk about how they're successful because their, their family's involved in their business. And you've had Electra perform with you live and in the studio and all that. Do you foresee her being a full-time musician in the future? Uh, well, that's something you got to talk to her about because she's, uh, um, I don't know, I, I think she's planning on getting married soon, so um, I'm not sure what she's planning on doing. And then back to the cruise that I mentioned that you had, were, were you ever on a cruise before planning this? No. On a cruise planning to play? No. So when it comes to vacations, are you the kind of person that takes them very quietly or you just stay home because you're used to traveling? Uh, I like to be home and quiet. Be nice to have, be nice to have some quiet uh, cold drinks and some salt water to go stick your feet in the water. Because where I was going with that is 
when I listen to old interviews with you, the sense of humor that you have is very apparent. You're a funny guy that not everybody realizes a, is a funny guy. The interview you did with Jay Moore kind of hinted to all that. But I was curious what you do to mellow out when you're not making music or doing your business ventures. <laughs> what I do to mellow out? Ah, I drink primo beer, brother. I do all kinds of things. There's, there, we have really great pets that I, I enjoy spending time with. Uh, my wife and children are great to hang around with because my kids are grown-ups now. Um, getting ready to release this new record has been quite an experience. Um, you know, uh, I've been watching uh, Justice and, and Electra grow, and, and uh, you know, their little opinions and stuff matters. So when they, they say something, I want to uh, make sure to pay attention to them. But then I also got to remember, you know, they're little people, and sometimes, you know, they say something, and it's not going to be what I want to hear. So <laughs> I got to also remember to be kind when I listen to what they say, and if it makes me mad not to chop their heads off. <laughs> Well, three quick questions, if you don't mind, and then I'll let you go. Sure. Okay, the first one is, people who really follow the history of Megadeth know that you and Dave Ellison, or Junior rather, met because of him playing Running with the Devil. Was Van Halen a big influence on you otherwise, or or is that the only thing of theirs that had a role in your life? Uh, Van Halen was not an influence in my life. I loved... uh... Uh, the whole concept of the band, I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought that Egg was a great player, and uh, that's about it. Uh, I thought that David Lee Roth um, had a lot of difficulty singing, um, but he was an amazing front man, and I think that kind of came from him copying Jim Dandy from Black Oak, Arkansas. And I can't, I can't say that's for sure, but... You know, whenever I see any pictures of Jim Dandy or anything like that, um, a friend of mine um, was a huge Black Oak, Arkansas fan. And uh, whenever he would come over and play uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, I would look at the picture on the album and I would think, fuck, that looks like the dude from Van Halen. (laughs) You know, and go figure, there he is. That's an interesting point that I've heard people make before. The second question is, you've been home a lot more the past, you know, year or so, getting better with your health and, of course, COVID, the pandemic and all that. I assume you had to have watched more TV than usual. Do you have a film or a TV show that you could recommend to people seeing, hearing, or reading this? Oh, um, I don't know. There's a lot of shows that are good, but... uh... I, I'm not really sure. I mean, I've got my favorite mo- uh, movies and shit like that, but, you know, I uh, I don't know that anything's going to top my favorite movies. Like, I love Tombstone and, and uh, Peaky Blinders, I thought was great, and some of these other shows, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to love them just because I like them. Okay, and The Closer, Dave, uh, any last words for the kids? Uh, sure. Sure. Um, where, where are you located out of? Uh, Long Island, New York. Long Island. Ah. Exactly. You're not close to Montauk? We're not close to Montauk, but uh, Joan Jett lives on my street, if that helps. Oh, well, tell her I said hello, and I love her. Paltrowcast. Thanks for checking out the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz, produced by V13 Media. Theme song by Steve Schiltz. Audio mixing by Mark Pirro. Until next time, have a great Shabbos. Outro.